Hey, thanks for joining us again and, and taking the time to view this video and, and kind of review this lesson with your group or maybe you're doing it on your own. Um, I want to tell you a little story that I think will help us clarify a little bit about feelings and reality. So years and years ago, I, I worked with a woman in a counseling setting and she was really struggling with her relationship with her dad. <clears throat> and um, we're talking about times where basically she felt like her dad just didn't care, that he didn't love her. And we were kind of talking about times where she had that feeling before in life and, and she was telling me about a time when she was at her grandparents' house, they had a farm and they had one of those old roller washing machines. It was electric, but it had the rollers on top that you put the clothes in and roll them through and you reverse it and wring them out. And she was playing with this old washing machine and had her arm in there and then she hit the button and um, as a child and got her arm stuck and she couldn't get her arm out. And she said she remembered with her arm stuck in there screaming and hurting and, and um, screaming for her dad and crying out for her dad and he never came. Now she didn't know if he just didn't hear her or if um, he heard her and was ignoring or what quite was going on. But, but uh, eventually her grandmother heard and came and got her out of the machine and they ended up taking her to the hospital. She had a broken arm from the rollers and you know she was she was probably in her mid-30s at this point. And that happened when she was like five or six. And that um, incident became kind of the, the emotional um, flashpoint for her feelings towards her dad. And, and so she summed up her feelings towards her dad as we talked in that one incident, you know, and, and basically it came back to the, the same thing. I just never knew if he loved me. I just never knew if he loved me. And, and so as we were talking, I said, you know, I guess the question is, you felt unloved in that moment, but is that reality? And, and she said, you know, I don't know if it's reality or not. I said, well, well, you can't look at one moment and say my feelings are real because of this one moment. You have to look at that moment and the feeling in the context of the bigger picture. And so I gave her some, some kind of therapeutic homework to, to go and, and make a timeline and look at the times where she felt unloved by her father and see if that happened at more than one occasion, or was it just that one occasion, that incident with this old-timey washing machine? And she came back, and she said, no, you know, I think the, the overarching picture of my childhood kind of reinforces this idea, this feeling that my father didn't love me. And here's other evidence along the way. <clears throat> and so... We went from, I have this feeling that we're not sure is real. So the feeling is real, but is it reality? So the feeling of, I'm not sure my father's love, I don't feel loved by my father. We weren't sure if that was reality or not. So we had to explore reality to look for more evidence than just one occasion. And as she did that, her perception of the reality of her relationship with her father seemed to reinforce the feeling of being unloved by him. Now that, that's critical, that's important, because 
oftentimes we have a feeling and we just accept it as reality instead of saying, no, I know it's a real feeling, but I'm not sure that it's rooted in reality. And what happens is once we accept our feeling as reality, we will respond to it. And so I read that quote yesterday to you from uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, where he basically said, you know, redemption means that also our temperament is redeemed, that our emotions are redeemed. And, and rede redemption of our emotions means that we're no longer governed by our temperament, but we're controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now, if I have a feeling that is troubling to me and I don't explore it and I determine that it is in fact reality, I will act on my perception of reality. Well, if my perception of reality is rooted in my emotion, my feeling, then do you see how my feelings are controlling my behavior? And so what happens is this. I feel I act. I feel I react. I feel I respond. We need that space in there to say, is this feeling rooted in reality or is it simply a real feeling? Because feelings are always real. No one has the right to tell you you shouldn't feel a certain way or you don't feel a certain way. You feel what you feel. But we have to understand that what we feel is a product of our experiences, a product of our knowledge, a product of our background, a product of our, our uh, beliefs, a product of our thoughts, our ideas. Those things all pour into our emotions. Now, the difficulty in human relationships comes when we act out of emotion without exploring the emotion. And we decide, because I feel disregarded by you, then I need to react in such a way that you will regard me. Because I feel angry at you, then I need to react in such a way that lets you know that I'm angry at you. Because I feel sad over something you've done, then I need to react in such a way that tells you that you are the source of my sadness. And here's the problem relationships can't carry the weight of emotional responses without exploring the reality of the situation. So eventually they break. And I want to contrast that with Jesus. And I want to use a specific example to contrast that with Jesus. So we get the story of Jesus cleaning out the temple. And when you look at that in the Gospel of Luke and you look at it in the Gospel of John, what you see is this. The night before he cleaned out the temple, he walked through the temple and he saw all the money changers in there. He saw the people selling sheep and doves and, and making money in the house of God. And he went back to Lazarus's house in Bethany, spent the night. Next day in John, he comes back to the temple and he sees the same scene, these money changers. And there's this anger that wells up in him, but it's a righteous anger. It's an anger that's rooted in God's will is being defied. It's not rooted in Jesus saying, I'm mad because you're doing something that thwarts my will. So the anger is a righteous anger, which means it's not sinful, which is, again, Jesus was sinless. He was perfect. So his anger, because it's focused on God, is not sinful. But if his anger had been focused on how dare you do this thing that I don't like and don't think you should do, then it would have been 
potentially a sinful anger. But here's the interesting part. When you read in the Gospel of John, he goes to the temple, he sees the money changers, it's the second time you've seen them, and it says he sat down and he wove a whip of many cords. Now, any of us who are fathers of daughters who have ever tried to braid their hair know it takes a long time to weave a whip. I want to propose that that was Jesus's time of doing what we said our practice would be this week. Jesus sitting down with God and saying, Lord, I'm angry. What is it you're inviting me into? And so as his hands are busy weaving this whip that he will then use to clean out the temple, I believe he was sitting in a space with God to deal with his anger. He was inviting God into the emotion of his anger. And so the emotion was there. It was real. He stopped to figure out if it was rooted in reality, ultimate reality, which is God's will is being obviated, is being trampled on because God's will was that his house would be a house of worship, not a den of iniquity. And as Jesus wove that whip, he was measuring the godly response to the godly anger that was coming up in him, not simply reacting. And so his anger that led to him cleaning out the temple was actually a righteous anger. It was an anger that, that was acted upon because it was rooted in godliness, not in selfishness. And so here's my point. Feelings are real, but they're not necessarily reality. When we don't go to that space, in essence, stop to weave the whip, when we feel an intense emotion and we just react, we are bringing something that is real, our emotion, into a world of reality, but the reality is focused on us. It's focused on what I feel. So now what I'm trying to do when I react to my emotions without going before God and saying, what are you inviting me into, Lord? What I'm actually trying to do is shape reality based on my feelings. And the truth of it is, that's not my job. It's God's job to shape reality, to create what is. And so really, when we react out of our emotions without going to God and saying, Lord, what are you inviting me into? We're actually making ourselves an idol. More specifically, we're making our emotions an idol. So now my emotions not only will control what I do and what becomes outside of myself, but if we're honest, when we react and respond in our emotions, we're actually using those to try to control other people too. So now my emotions say, I'll set the world up as I want it to be, and because you're in that space, I'm also going to set you up with my emotions, manipulate you, control you, with my reactions rooted in emotion to make you what I want you to be. Again, that's God's job. That's not our job. And so that's how that whole idea of emotions being real but not reality gets twisted and leads us into a place where we leave a wake of damage behind us instead of a wake of goodness and mercy like Psalm 23 talks about. And we walk through the world and we leave a path of destruction and relationships get broken and strained and life becomes difficult and hard because we're not rooted in deep connections 
that have their foundation in the reality of God. We're trying to navigate broken relationships that have their foundation in the reactions of my emotions. And, and guess what? You're not the only one that does that. We all do that. So now you think about it. From both sides of a relationship, this is happening. What makes it stop? What makes it stop is this. When we become emotionally well, when we begin to heal emotionally, what I mean by that is this. Emotional wellness is this. My emotions are real, but placed in their appropriate spot in the governance of my life, which part of that appropriate spot is always below the Holy Spirit. So I learn and I grow and I develop and I become the kind of person who even when my emotions are super intense, they'll never overpower the Holy Spirit's guidance of my life. So I'll live under the control of the Holy Spirit, even in my emotions, instead of under the control of my emotions. Now here's one thing I want to point out. The Holy Spirit never tells us what to feel. We feel what we feel. The Holy Spirit guides us into feeling that in an appropriate way, in a healthy way, and not being controlled by that feeling. So in all of that, hopefully you get a picture of what it looks like to take my emotions before God and say, God, I'm feeling this intense emotion right now. I'm not sure where it's coming from. Maybe you know, maybe you don't. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with it, but I'm going to bring it to you and ask you what you're inviting me into. Now, to, to bring it back down to a little more personal level, for years, I struggled driving the car because if somebody cut me off or, or didn't use their blinker, I would just get enraged. And I, kn I know for fact from talking to people, I'm not the only one who had this issue. But for the longest time, I couldn't figure out why I felt this way, where it was coming from. And actually, I was able to kind of think about it and do some exploring and go before God. And what I discovered was I had a couple of situations in, in elementary school and where I had teachers who just didn't want to hear your side of the story no matter what. And so what I learned from that was it's painful to be disregarded and sometimes it costs you something to be disregarded. And yet, because they had power over me, I had to accept being disregarded. So here's what I figured out. And I apologize because I'm pulling back the curtain and you guys are going to realize real quick that the wizard's just some short little guy with a microphone behind the curtain. But what I realized was the, the life experience of those situations at a younger age taught me that might makes right. So if you were disregarded, if you could overpower the person who you thought was disregarding you, they had to regard you. Well, that carried over onto the roads for me. So I'd be coming raised and want to make sure everybody who didn't use their blinker right or cut me off in traffic or was riding my bumper knew that I was mad and they were not going to disregard me, and I would make sure they couldn't disregard me, either by speeding up getting in front of them and cutting them off, or brake checking them when they're riding my bumper, or screaming and yelling through a closed window at them. Now here's where the freedom came in. The freedom came in was once I realized what I was fighting for was to be regarded, then I could go to God and say, all right, Lord, do you regard me? And can I let your regard for me be more important than anyone else's regard for me? 
And in that, I found freedom because the battle I was fighting was to make sure that others knew I was here, <laughs> that I had rights, that I had a place, that I was on this planet, and you couldn't just act like I didn't belong, like I was never there. I learned all that from two occasions that I remember, there's probably more, but two occasions specifically that I remember when I had a disagreement with a teacher at a young age, and, and actually I was on the correct side of the disagreement, but they just shut me down with power. And so what I learned was might makes right. So I'm gonna act that out when I feel disregarded. That emotion, when I realized the anger was connected to the feeling of being disregarded and that was governing my actions, I was then able to let God heal me in that disregard. So, so here's what you have to understand. The reason that question God, what are you inviting me into is so important is because every emotion is a bridge back to a belief. So when I experience an emotion that's uncomfortable, that's destructive, that, 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 that's not healthy, that's not good, that doesn't build relationships, it's always a bridge back to some belief. So I'm driving down the road, someone cuts me off, I get angry. That anger was a bridge back to the belief that they disregarded me. So when I resolve the belief, the emotion becomes manageable. It doesn't go away. I still feel what I feel, but it becomes manageable because by resolving the belief, by living in truth, am I disregarded in this situation, Lord? Well, yes, you are. That guy doesn't care about you, but I do. So you need to ask yourself, what's more important, that I regard you or that this person regards you? And so the invitation from God was to allow him to be more important to me than a stranger on the street or anybody else in the world. And so as I was able to resolve that level of importance being on God instead of others, the disregard went away, even though in reality I probably was being disregarded by that person in the moment, which meant the anger didn't have to control my behavior, my responses. So I hope all that makes sense. But I hope you see that the only path forward in this is, is not the path of ignoring emotions or not feeling emotions, but it's the path of letting the Holy Spirit take control of our emotions. And the way we do that starts with the simple question, what are you inviting me into, Lord, when I feel an intense emotion? So I hope that's helpful. Probably a little more background than you even wanted about how to, to face emotions and put them in the context of God in reality. Um, but I hope that, that you can have some conversations. What I want to encourage you to do in your group is maybe pick one feeling that is a, a common feeling for you that maybe has an underlying theme in your life. Um, I'm going to ask you to pick one that has a little more negative impact than positive um, because the positive ones tend not to come from a place of woundedness, although they can, but the negative ones almost always come from a place of woundedness. And to just look at it and go, okay, when I feel this, what's this, what, what is this leading me back to? What's the belief that this emotion is a bridge to? And how does the truth of God, the reality of God, resolve that belief so that I can live outside of the control of this emotion, which is the bridge? So let me pray for you. Father, I'm grateful that you designed us to be emotional creatures, that you designed us to feel. 
And I just think of all the wonderful aspects of life that are rooted in emotions, connections and excitement and joy. And God, I also thank you for all the warning signs that are rooted in some of the negative emotions like, like sadness and anger. And Lord, both of those on the positive side and on the negative side are there to refine us and draw us deeper into yourself. And so God, I pray that, that as everyone has their conversations in their groups, they draw closer to each other, they draw closer to you, but most importantly, that they learn this strategy to let the Holy Spirit, you God the Spirit, govern and control reactions and responses instead of the emotions that well up in us, which sometimes are very unredeemed. And we ask that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great time in your group.